Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. <laughs> because politics needed a rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Welcome back to YouTube. Welcome back to <laughs> video episodes. We have a very special, unique episode for everybody today. We're switching it up structure-wise for this week. So much to talk about today. We do most of that talking in these interviews. We have two interviews on the docket for this episode, and we are talking more about reproductive rights and the fight for them. And we're having two different perspectives on the show um two candidates to one current representative and one who was a former local representative so we're just we got all the experience but yeah one in a blue state a very blue state california and one in a very very red state louisiana who is fighting a bill that essentially makes birth control and abortion homicide making sam and i both serial killers which Hey, look, I always thought for us it was going to be white-collar crime by total accident. Tax fraud. But, like, you yeah. know, this one takes us a whole different route. But regardless, absolutely horrifying, this entire horrifying. bill. So in our conversation, we go through what's included, what it means. Also, like, is this going to be something that gets pushed in other states as well, especially red states? You know, what is this going to do for the future of reproductive rights and access in other southern states and across the country but i think this conversation this dual conversation is really cool to see i know like we did these interviews and we we're like whoa like the contrast guys, the, contrast. the contrast and to put them next to each other i think is going to be really interesting and i hope you guys all find it um i'm not gonna say interesting again but interesting um intriguing <laughs> intriguing i don't know mind-blowing absolutely um but 
yeah, definitely hang around. We're going to talk to Emily Beach, who is a candidate in California first, and then we will head into our interview with Manny Landry, who we've had on the show before, who is amazing and is just an absolute hero. And I, her, just talking to her was seriously mind-blowing. So definitely hang around to hear hear all of that at the end. But before we get into those interviews, there are, well, two, two stories really to talk about because we won't be t- doing top stories at the end of the show. But we definitely want to talk about the two shootings that happened the past few days and how horrifying they are and also some action items because we can't just keep you know thoughts and prayers in this stuff and there are things to do so we want to highlight the story and highlight how people can help and and have some impact and before we do that before we get into like some action items which are going to take two different forms we are having an episode on gun reform the timing could not be more immaculate Anyways, we are recording that later this week. So if you guys are listening in time, send us your questions, DM us, email us at info at girlinthegov.com. We would love to include more and more audience questions. So comment on YouTube. Have a question? Send it. Oh, yeah. Comment on YouTube. Comment on YouTube, you guys. If you do comment on YouTube, it's seriously a really easy way for us to like, while you're watching or listening to these episodes to send your comments in like in live time while you're listening you just you'll, you won't forget it's right there so just another reminder to go subscribe on youtube also go watch an episode on youtube see how you like it let us know what you think and other video content you want to see from us i was gonna try and start to like look cuter for some of these um recordings and here i am like back in my just hoodie sweat set she's um, a california girl she's like so surfer so chill well, so, and then Sam's over here so giving relaxed. just full Carrie Bradshaw, like, while I'm over here in my sweats that I woke up in. I don't have but, eyeliner on today. Oh, wow. I really, wow. I, I pulled it back. Pulled it back. I curled my eyelashes, put sunscreen on, and have a little bit of lip gloss on just to, you know, make me look alive. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm giving off an Alex Cooper vibe, just full sweatsuit. I think every recording, I think that might be my vibe. And it's so funny, just total tangent. She is having Christine Quinn from Selling Sunset on the show this week. And Christine Quinn is wearing like head to toe, like Matrix Matrix latex Balenciaga outfit. And like, I just hope that Alex is sitting across from her in like a full Color Daddy merch sweat set. And I just think that would be the funniest thing ever. I'm just... I don't know. The odds are be. ever in her favor of that. <laughs> like, it's just, it was so funny too because she had a story that was like, guess who like the guest is? And it was such a Kardashian outfit. Like, it was such a Oh Kim my God. Outfit. I was like, did and Kim I was like, cut her I hair? I don't, right. And like, I thought it was, was like, Kim. it doesn't feel quite right. Like, because I knew she's blonde right now. Too. Oh my God, you're so right. But her hair is wow. like long blonde. So I was like, maybe she got yeah. like a haircut mm. that has the blonde still. It was totally a Kim outfit with the gloves. And the Balenciaga. The thing is, I feel like I'm going to have to save this, like, that episode to listen to because I haven't been watching this season of Selling Sunset because I don't have Netflix right now because I I go it's back so and forth bad. between canceling it and then, like, getting it. Like, if there's, like, a bunch of shows I want to watch, I'll resubscribe. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I've seen what I have needed to see. I keep, like, turning so, it on yeah. and I'll watch an episode and I'm like, oh, my God, I hate this show. And I genuinely don't think I like a single character on the show. Like, I... Yeah. I just can't. Like, I hate it. But, like, I watched maybe four episodes last night. Like, I don't – because I don't know why I want to watch the reunion really bad. And so I was like, fine, I'll finish the season or I'll try. But I just hate it. 
I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but anyways. But like, did you watch the Summer House reunion? That's the I did. Oh, not okay. Not to not part two. So okay, okay. Lips sealed. Lips are sealed. It's just I don't think it comes onto my streaming platform. I don't think it comes onto my streaming platform until the next day. I have Peacock, I have the Bravo app, and I have Hulu. So I kind of go. Oh, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. You're good. I know, and then Hulu hasn't been working lately with Summer House. I don't know, but nonetheless we got issues we got issues we got issues but let's get into this story so we'll start with the california shooting that happened because a man opened fire during a lunch reception at a southern california church on sunday killing one person and wounding five senior citizens but this church was majority taiwanese people and this man came in and they they're maybe speculating that it was also um a hate crime but moving to buffalo where speaking of hate crimes speaking of major hate crimes terrorism and terrorism yeah peyton gendron don't even know that's how you spell pronounce his name but i don't give a fuck um 18 year old 18 year old accused of killing 10 people at a supermarket in buffalo on saturday wrote in increasing detail of his plans to murder dozens of black people in statements posted online over the past five months um, according to a compilation of messages by a writer who identified himself as this shooter. Don't even, why is his name even in here, you know? But he's, so the Washington Post found 600 pages of messages that he basically was talking about killing those that he slurred as replacers and decided in February to target Buffalo's top grocery store based on its local African-American population. So this was a targeted shooting. He drove what 200 miles to this town this grocery store to specifically shoot black people he is a known white supremacist again there's twofold to this it's really again a gun issue but it's also a racism issue a terrorism issue and a pure hate crime issue so we do have some action items again like sam said we'll be covering gun reform stuff this week when we record but we are here to provide some action items. Sam will run through some like anti-hate stuff, but also just make sure you're following, you know, every town and other organizations that work towards gun reform. They have tons of amazing resources on their website and on their social media. They have scripts, they have emails for how you can call your representatives because that's a huge action item. When you look for gun reform, email, call those reps because what is it? I think like 70% of Republicans and like 90 something of democrats in this country support closing loopholes and other forms of gun reform and it's not happening because we have many of our reps in a chokehold by um the gun lobby samantha why don't you run us through some more action items that we can look to in this dark time so lightly touched on this but this domestic terrorism attack is directly correlated to the great replacement theory which is something that has been spewed by fox news specifically tucker carlson over and over again. It is one of the many factors that has contributed to growing levels and percentages of hate, hate crimes, growth of hate groups within the U.S. Now, if you're sitting here and you're like, okay, well, what are these hate groups? How do I find them? Where is there, are there certain areas where this is growing more than others? How do I get an understanding or a pulse for what is the target here and what's going on? There are two really good organizations that track this data and have really great resources for understanding 
where this is all happening. The first with the Southern Poverty Law Center. So they track hate crimes across the U.S. They have a really, really interesting hate map. That sounds so bad because it is so bad. But on the map, you can look by ideology. You can look by geography. You can get an understanding of where stuff is popping up. And then you can also, when you're clicking on the map, you see the categorization of what type of hate group or hate organization exists in a particular area, you can click on and get an understanding of like what their ideology is. So good way to get an understanding what those groups are. The ADL, Anti-Defamation League, also has what's called a heat map. So that's looking more specifically at the hate crimes committed. Similarly, you can look by ideology, by geography, timeline, etc. They also have a part on their website where if you experience a hate crime, witness hate crime, etc., where you can report it. Even if you don't want to go to the police, you can still report it and it's really good to help provide them data. That data is then provided to legislatures that can then make laws based on that. So just keep that in mind. I will also say that there is another podcast that people should listen to. We love another a good podcast. Pod- I know, a good podcast track. I'm smiling because I love a good podcast, not because of what the topic is. So just like a podcast that supports other podcasts. That is a fact. That is definitely a fact. But (laughs) speaking of the Southern Poverty Law Center, they do have a podcast and they have episodes that go through sort of the evolution of hate, how it grows, what spurs it, what it sort of latches onto, where it happens, the communities that are totally grappling with this at the very forefront. Highly recommend taking a listen to that podcast and also looking at these heat maps will give you a really great idea of how intense this is. And when I mean intense, I don't mean obviously this is violence, it's intense, but I mean how rapidly this problem is evolving and growing because this has always been an issue, but it's only getting worse Mm -hmm. thanks Tucker Carlson and your cronies. Not the only one to blame, but definitely one at the very source. I would say also an action item to consider, and this goes across any political issue is corporate boycotts so look at who is funding fox news Mm -hmm. since they are a huge culprit but nutrisystem top top of the list of course like Like any any like pyramid scheme like bullshit like weight loss workouts bad diet culture like 100 but yeah this this story is Oh, it's it's so devastating. Vile. And I also like love the point and argument of like this is why we need critical race theory. Um yep. we need anti racism teaching in our schools because this boy is an eighteen year old who is on the internet, you know, listening to white supremacists and all their hateful rhetoric and you know, there is there are ways to prevent these things and education is one piece so whoever says we don't need it is full of fucking shit and this story is the perfect example of why so anyways moving into these interviews and into our our episode we will introduce our guests but since we won't be like saying a farewell after the interview let's just you know give everybody our quick little housekeeping moments where we dive in because Please go subscribe on YouTube. Go watch us on YouTube here and there, you know. And again, comment any questions you have and share content from us. This is an election year. There's so many ways to have impact. And one of them is to share political learning resources, us being one of them. But we also on our social media share a lot of other um, amazing resources, be it political or... 
excuse you, political learning resources, action items, and more. So go follow us, go share our content, share all of our stuff, and have some impact yourself. Join our brand ambassador program. There's no requirements. And you can go learn about the program at growonthegov.com. What else? Subscribe, rate, review. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But we might have to also start reading some of our bad reviews because they're kind of hilarious. Oh, our first YouTube comment was stop killing your babies or something. Stop murdering your babies. That's our only YouTube comment right now, you guys. So if you can go head on over to YouTube and <laughs> add some more positive ones. Support your girls. Fantastic. Yeah. But no, we definitely will be doing a bad review segment at some point because there are some doozies let me tell you so first up we have emily beach she's a congressional candidate in california so we cannot wait for you guys to listen in hear her thoughts on the roe v wade situation and also of course learn about her campaign second to that and we love both of these amazing women mandy landry who is a state representative in louisiana she is fighting the good fight, as they say, in Louisiana, trying to protect reproductive rights. Anyways, in this fight, she is also now running for Louisiana State Senate. If she wins, fingers crossed, she will be the only pro-choice woman in the Louisiana State Senate. That is beyond a boggling fact to me. But without further ado, let's get the fuck into it. So... Here is Emily, followed by Mandy. Yay! All right, well, we cannot wait to get into it because we have a congressional campaign to talk about. And before we get into your district and why, yo, you're running and everything, want to know a little bit about your political journey because this is not the first office you've got eyes on or have been in. Tell us how you got here. Give us the lay of the land. Thanks, Sammy. No, you know, I've been in local government actually for the past seven years as a mayor and a city council member in my city of Burlingame, California, Ooh, you know, and prior, yeah, exactly. And prior to that, I was really, my journey was kind of, kind of an interesting one. It was a winding road, but I was a community volunteer, just engaging and volunteering in my kids' schools, running what we call our education foundation out here in Burlingame, unfortunately in California, um, public schools aren't funded the way they need to be to have kind of basic programs like arts, music, uh, PE teachers, library services, right? That, a lot of that has to be privately funded, which is really unfortunate. So I was just a, a community volunteer and I got very involved as our community was growing and we were getting ready to reimagine how our city through a general plan process was going to grow over the next 20 years. And that really interested me. So I threw my hat in the ring for that seat. But prior Prior to being in Burlingame, I, you know, I had spent some time in the in the United States Army. I was an army officer coming out of college. I worked in the private sector in Silicon Valley for a few years. So I, you know, I have some business background and I just brought all these different tools in the toolbox, which have played, I don't know, they've really helped me, I think, be a better kind of a, an elected official with a broad view. So that's how I ended up here. And then, boy, and then we've got a congressional race right now. Yeah, we let's talk about sure it. sure do. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about it. Because what made you decide to run for Congress specifically? Let's run through that. And also, can you kind of give us a little snapshot of your platform and really the issues you're looking to tackle? 
Sure. Well, you know, we've had an amazing Congresswoman for many years here, Congresswoman Jackie Spear, who's been such a leader on women's rights, women's issues, you name it, women's equity, you know, pay equity, gender equity, really a champion for, for women. And, you know, I also really respect her work in trying to combat sexual harassment and assault in the military, having been an Army veteran myself. So she's been a hero of mine. She's retiring after many years of service an open seat, an open congressional seat in a blue district. That doesn't come, that doesn't happen very often. So we've got a very competitive race. And, you know, I threw my hat in the ring because this is not the time for, for, for particularly women who have something to offer in elected life to sit back down and behave when there's an opportunity to lead. There are so many issues affecting women, our economic power, Certainly now our bodies, I've been talking about this for six months, have been concerned since we launched the campaign on December 1st. But there's so many other issues that are front and center to our families that we see on the front lines as moms. I'm a mom of teenagers. My daughter is almost 18 years old. My son is 15. Certainly I'm putting uh, a lot of issues that are informed by my experience, including education, reproductive freedom, mental health. These are key issues in my race. I'm also talking about climate action and housing and homelessness. So those are my big five, but you can tell by the things I'm prioritizing, it's because I've lived and I care deeply about these issues. Well, we definitely know that because we know you have a Vote Mama endorsement on your page. So we love it. We love Vote Mama. So absolutely love the perspective and what you can obviously bring to this race. And speaking of this race and everything that's going on, especially with women's rights, mm-hmm. big shout out to SCOTUS for that one. Got yeah. to love it, aka not at all. As someone that's really been a part of the political scene at this point, you've been mayor, you've been on city council. Can you give us an idea of what it looks like to consider abortion rights at a local level? Like, How do those things intersect? And is there any way to also protect them at that local yeah. level? No, it is a great question. Let me just give a quick shout out to Vote Mama too. They're doing such important work to get more, not just women, but moms. What do they have a statistic? I think it's like 6% of Congress are moms with kids that are school age. That is such an important perspective to have. And we need more of us there on the front lines fighting for these things we care about, right? Whether it's paid parental leave, education, you name it, early learning. Okay. So back to the local level, there's a, you know, there's a lot that happens at the local level. First of all, at least in, in California, we've got cities have a lot of responsibility for land use. So we set the responsibility for what things can be zoned where, what businesses can go where. There's a component there. And then the other local government entity, right, in, in here is the, the, the county really deals with health services. And so making sure that clinics and that there's access to, to reproductive services, whether it's birth control or abortion services. But I think the other thing that, I, you know, as I look across the country, local jurisdictions have a responsibility, even in terms of, let's say, protests that happen outside of abortion clinics. Okay, we have First Amendment rights, freedom of speech, but there have to be protections too for the police to come and make sure that women have access and folks who are going into those clinics to get the services they need yeah. aren't being you know, encumbered unfairly. And so there's a local component there, but I think those are, those are some of the, the big things. But of course, if cities and, and counties are restricted by what's happening at the state level, like what we're looking at right now, where potentially all these trigger, like all these states that are ready to just basically ban abortion when the Supreme Court decision comes out, 
I, I've heard scary things, right? It could be half the states in the United States of America fall where abortion is basically illegal. That, you know, cities and counties can't do anything about that. Those those issues, that's where the federal government has to step in. And that's yeah. why we need more women, more women in the room in Congress to make sure we codify Roe v. Wade into law so that we protect women's reproductive freedom from here forward and we get it out of the yes. courts. Yes, and that was a perfect segue because we want to talk about your plans when you do um, get to Congress, how you plan to really protect women's rights at that level and how to do so. I mean, we're going to dive into this topic even more about what that even means to, you know, codify the law and all the all those yeah. things. But yeah. can you kind of tell us like your plan of really when you get there, how you plan to kind of tackle this issue? Well, fortunately, the majority of, Dem you know, we've got a Democratic majority that's working on this in the House of Representatives right now, but of course it's being stalled in the Senate. No big surprise, right? With the filibuster. And so, I mean, we have to, we have to persist. Great legislation doesn't always happen. It, it's, but it, it takes time, but this is now urgent. Right. This is now because now the Supreme Court looks like it's speaking and if it and if it restricts women's access to uh, abortion services we're in a world of hurt and so congress needs to react quickly i i am optimistic i mean i'm a, i'm an optimist that's why i'm running i want to actually be at the table to help fix the existential challenges that we're facing whether it's climate action right or whether it's solving this issue of reproductive freedom but there's a lot of states that are going to be swing states are up for grabs there is an opportunity in this election for women across the country to step up and vote blue and get more democrats elected so that we can actually get to that level that threshold while we have a democratic president to pass this legislation but we have to keep convert we have to keep the democratic caucus together we have to keep moderate democrats that may be getting high pressure not in states like california we are we are pro-choice 110 percent but there's a lot of other states that are sort of you know in the middle and that's where we need people who can really speak to the other side and we need women at the table talking about this choice is not Please. just about i love abortion it's about empowering and trusting women and their doctors and their conscience to make these decisions for themselves not imposing federal law and state law to prevent them from making those decisions about their own personal futures so it's about okay. choice yeah, and that's where we need women to negotiate that. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I think I'm a, I'd be a particularly um, valuable member of the team. Look, I, I identify as Catholic. That's I grew up Catholic. I attended the University of Notre Dame, same university that Justice Barrett attended, right? Uh, I understand folks on the other side, but I am staunchly pro-choice and we need women like me at the table helping negotiate and bring this through that is going to be i'm going to be a very effective member of the team to help help ensure these yeah. rights totally totally and i think being able to speak another language in a sense right is really really important yeah. like maddie and i could talk about all day how like neither of us are religious at all and like didn't grow up that way and have your own sort of opinions on it but then, you know, when we hear religious arguments, we're like, well, we can't really participate in the best way because, you know, despite us having our own opinions, mm -hmm. we don't speak the language. So whatever right. we say is not going to translate and vice versa. So to have someone that can translate and to actually make some movement, I think that's wonderful and definitely something that's very needed. But Thank you. stepping back to 
that fateful day last Monday when this little, just little opinion was leaked. Still very curious who did it, but that's a story for another time. Yeah, right. McConnell says that's the real story. I can't. <laughs> I mean, it. gobble wobble is all I can say on that one. <laughs> but without me doing any more name calling, what was like your reaction? How did you feel about it? Just gut punch. And honestly, though, I've been following this because I'm a political nerd. You guys are too. It's not like I didn't see this coming. It was just no, like totally. the worst nightmare. And then to yeah. read the opinion and to see the justification of it, that is just so tone deaf to the experience of women in this country. I don't know if you saw that op-ed in the Washington Post this weekend that was just spot on talking about, you know, the the view that Alito has and the reality of what it is to be pregnant in America, to be a woman. And even when it's a welcome pregnancy, even when you have a partner and you have economic resources to navigate that space, it's still hard. Oh, it's yeah. still hard to keep your career going and everything like this. And then you put all those other burdens for people who don't have those advantages or are struggling in a number of other ways. And it's worse for women of color and poor women. Um, you know, it was just just remarkable. I think the other thing that, that really just stuck a knife in me, because I'm a process person, and I believe so deeply in our institutions that, I mean, we had nearly, I was born in 1974. And, and Roe v. Wade, right? I'm about, you know, a year difference from Roe v. Wade. For as long as I've been alive, we've had legal precedent that was reaffirmed with Casey, right? Versus Planned yeah. Parenthood. It's legal precedent that women have the right to make these own choices for themselves, that this court is taking nearly 50 years of legal precedent, turning it it's on its head for really political purposes. It just is 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 mind-blowing and very disturbing to the core about how we could possibly go back 50 years where women didn't have access. I know women who are older, who had to go south of the border for a procedure and it devastated. You know, I mean, I, I've heard these stories and to the thought, I'm sorry, I'm rambling right now, but no, I'm apoplectic about it, that my daughter who's nearly 18 and her generation of women have basically will have less reproductive freedom than her grandmother did. There's something wrong with that. Our constitution is not in the business of, of trampling on human rights. And that's exactly what's happening right now. We're going backwards. And so it's just absolutely a gut punch. It's, yeah, gut punch is the perfect way to articulate it. But moving even deeper into this conversation and just kind of what's been coming up after the fact, after the leak. We've heard from both sides, but actually Mitch McConnell recently stated that the Republicans will take up legislation banning abortion at the national level if they were to win back the majority. Can you kind of shed light of what's at stake here and like how could they do that and really run us through that potential reality that can come somewhat it's, soon? It's a real reality. And I think the biggest danger is that Mitch McConnell has proven his willingness to change the rules whenever it's convenient for him. So that filibuster is going to disappear. Oh, yeah. You know, right? Dialed back the filibuster to get the judges he wanted in. When it comes to something as high stakes as reproductive freedom, now that they have a window of opportunity, I think the biggest danger is not so much 
in, I mean, there is, there's obviously a danger in 22 if they, you know, and, and history tells us, right, the pendulum swings back and forth. So we can yeah. expect, I don't want to see it, but we can expect probably there's a good chance that Republicans could take back the House. Although I think this is a game changer because I think women are going to show up at the polls, right? That's what they don't always get, you know, like their bigotry fires people up and, you know, they don't always account for that, which I think is something to definitely note that it was looking bad for Democrats really for the last two years. But this may just be the thing that fires them up. But I think where I worry the most and I and, you know, I hope that we maintain a Democratic president. I hope, you know, President Biden runs again, gets reelected. But heaven forbid we have a Republican president in 2024 for whatever weird stroke of then Mitch McConnell in 2025. That's the danger zone. Right. If we if we really that's where we could women stand to lose a lot. Yeah. So we need to not only vote blue. But we need to have more women in the room. And even if they're red, more women Republicans, if they're if there's, you know, are more likely to be able to reason with one another, because this issue is affects women's bodies. We need to vote for women in Congress to negotiate this and to figure out a solution and hammer it out. It might not be something that we all agree is the perfect solution, but we have to instill these rights and enshrine them into law. And we need women at the table, not men making these decisions, or at least more than 27%, because right now we only have 27% of women in Congress. Yeah. I also have a question for you that I actually like my sister texted me this the other day and she was like, can you ask like your next guest when you talk about like reproductive rights, like why the hell are they doing this? Like what do they gain from, you know, stripping women's rights? Like, do you have any theories? I don't know if like anyone's really like cracked this code of like, I think there's some obvious just like bigot bigotry type answers that we can pull. But like, do you have any theories as to like what what does this do for a the Republican Party? What does this do for men to kind of strip woman's autonomy and power in this in this way what a profound question there you go sis i think if anything it's just mobilizing the base of the republican party because they've really the only thing that's that well the thing that they are really rallying around now they've got the religious right that believes that legislating morality like this is is the one thing that kind of holds them together and um, i mean there's a number of other issues but i think this just really mobilizes their base to get out to vote and look at what they you know on the supreme court the ideological shift by just the last few judges that were appointed during the trump administration it's just um very politicized which is well i hope it's also just them being so dumb because what is it 60 something percent of the country are pro-choice right you know? even majority of american catholics well isn't, i also that, saw something yeah. that like even in red states it's like the majority there's a small majority but it's majority are still pro-choice like yeah so. yeah that it's just i mean it's been part of our culture just a recognition that going backwards on this goes back to coat hangers in dark alleys where women will die. Yeah. And our, those are our daughters and our sisters. These are not because, and, and it's really going to be poor women. It's because yeah. wealthy women from time immemorial will get on a plane or go and pay for what they need to do. But it's such an equity issue and a 
a, a liberty issue and a yeah. and a and an economic issue. It's so crazy too to think that it's also like so by location because it's like I I've obviously like every woman has probably felt the gut punch that we've been talking about all week, right? But it's like when you think about your circumstances and you know being in California where they're about to you know I don't even know what it's called put in the Constitution <laughs> that to protect the right to choose, but like even just by location, like you can be. It's just everyone's situations are so different, like by yeah. class, by race, by now, like just what state you're in, you yep. know? Yep. And it's so visceral because it's so targeted at women. And yet, again, we're talking 75% of Congress is going to be making this decision if we don't get more women at the table to legislate, nope, nope, against women's bodies. Like, yeah. We don't legislate against men's bodies in this way and their reproductive Maybe freedom. we should start. Maybe we should start. That no, would we be shouldn't. An, but, you know, the vasectomy argument. <laughs> the vasectomy argument is so fair. I don't know if you've heard it, but oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but to that point, I mean, our amazing VP did ask Kavanaugh during those good old hearings back in the day, like, can you name one piece of legislation legislating men's bodies, and he could not. So I thought you were gonna say, can you name one female um, reproductive body part? He's gonna say no. We all know that he could definitely. We not know, that yeah. There's no shot, no <laughs> shot, not a shot in hell. But we do want to get into our "I have a stupid question" segment, and that starts with the idea of codifying Roe v. Wade. That is something that has been discussion whether that'll happen or not. We could go down that rabbit hole too. But before we even think about that. The word codify, what does that mean? When someone says we're going to codify something, can you explain what that means from a legal perspective? Yeah, sure. I mean, not that I'm an attorney, but it's getting it. It's it's like the, the legislation, the laws are created in Congress rather, rather than letting the, the courts interpret them and determine what they really mean. And so if there can be clarity in the legislation that is passed by both houses of Congress, signed by the president, it's a different it's a different ball game. It's a different ball game rather than interpreting previous court cases that have risen up, you know, as far as the Supreme Court, you know, like Roe v. Wade in the 70s or then Casey in, in the 90s saying that, you know, this is the law of the land. And then it, it just makes it final. And I'm really glad you asked that question because and that's what I try to say. And I, I, what's so funny is I've been talking about this issue since I launched our my our congressional our congressional campaign in December, that women's reproductive freedom has to be a top priority in Congress, and we it's it's solvable. There's hope. It's not like you just the Supreme Court speaks, and then it's over on this issue because they've interpreted this issue. But we need to put it into law, and so we need to give women that hope. But we need to empower us and men that stand with us to vote for the right people to get that legislation done. Absolutely. It's looking back, just seeing so much of the coverage of this, it's like there have been so many opportunities over the years for these protections to be put in place. And it is really wild. And why do you think that is? Because it hasn't been a priority. Totally. And And why is it not a priority? Because there aren't enough women in office. So Sorry to interrupt you, but yes, exactly. Oh, no. No, you're good. I mean, look, it's a connect the dots puzzle. It's one of those simple, I'm terrible at math, but that's an equation I can absolutely do. So, like, I don't know what math teacher need to think for that, but regardless. Can you also just, you know, as we start to wrap this conversation up, 
Can you also kind of shed light on really just this midterm election and how it's going to play into this conversation, ultimately, possibly this outcome of, you know, where women's right to choose really lands in this country moving forward and kind of how voters really can get involved and why it's so important to tune in to this election specifically? Absolutely. Because, it, you know, um, in in our in states that are safe blue seats, right, or, or congressional seats that are safe blue seats, we got to keep them blue, but it's really the action's going to happen in those swing states in Georgia, Ohio, Florida, you know, Wisconsin. That's where people who care about this, and this is, the, like you said, the majority of Americans, this is a big issue, need to go to the polls. They need to vote. They need to wake up and they need to make sure they vote for people that represent their views because it's going to be critical in the next Congress starting next year to make this issue front and center. High stakes. High stakes. High stakes. Totally. Well, we can all now also pray that this gets people out and hopefully people are inspired yeah. by this episode. People are also inspired by your campaign. Where can they find you? How do they get involved? How do they support? Give us the 411. Thank you so much for that opportunity. So um, people can check out Emily Beach for Congress. Beach is just like spelled like the ocean, B-E-A-C-H. Uh, for congress.com i'm the only woman in this race this will be a safe blue seat and there's not a lot of daylight i think you know obviously both uh, there's a republican running there's three democrats running one of the three democrats is going to win but again this is an issue that directly affects women women's bodies women's choices and women need to be at the table leading this fight and quite frankly as i said earlier women like me who can help negotiate some kind of solution with the other side um, it, it, it are critical. We, With only 27% women in Congress, we need more of us. We don't need to lose representation when a wonderful champion like Congresswoman Jackie Spear retires. So I really hope people will mobilize and learn about me and learn about some of the other things I bring. We've talked a lot about choice, but there's a lot of other issues at stake. And I oh, yeah. really feel like um, Congress is, kind, is just dysfunctional right now. There's so much that there's so much toxicity, there's so much gridlock, that people that bring other tools in the toolbox that have had broad life experiences, that have done hard things in their life. I have commanded a Patriot missile battery in Saudi Arabia. I've served in Korea. I've lived in every corner of this country working with teams in the army all around the country and around the world. I've worked in the business world. I've run a nonprofit organization. I've parented teenagers through the pandemic. Man, it'll make Congress look like a cakewalk. <laughs> Raised my babies, right? Navigated the public school system. Navigated kids with learning differences and special needs. I've had a foster kid too. I understand the mental health challenges that are yeah. happening in this nation. We need women at the table to navigate solutions to these things. And I think people that bring broad life experience really bring something to the table. And I want to be part of the long-term solution in Congress. So thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with Amen. your listeners today. EmilyBeachforCongress.com. Need all the help I can get, even if you don't live in the district, you know? Yes. There's ways you can Absolutely. help. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this just scary moment honestly yeah. in history that we're living through and walking us through it so we appreciate you and your time and well, good luck with everything we'll be my my honor my my honor to be running for the house of representatives and we're gonna win this fight that's why i'm 
I'm rolling up my sleeves. We're going to work and we're going to get this done. So I don't want everybody to fear we're going to elect the right people. We're going to get this done. And thank you so much for inviting me to be with you today. Thank you. Let's get into it. Well, we have quite the bill to talk about. Yeah. A bill, a bill, a bill. And we're not even talking about Destiny's Child bills. Like this is some serious stuff. We're talking about one introduced in Louisiana that has everyone paying attention. One that, oh, I don't know, maybe it tries to, you know, put women in the frame of homicide for seeking abortion and so much more, because that's not just the one thing that's in the bill, as if that's not bad enough. But can you walk us through what's included and also why we obviously should be so concerned about this? Yeah, I mean... This bill to me is just the logical end result of what 30, 40 years of extreme, you know, anti-choice and and views on abortion. And what it comes down to is the argument over personhood, which is key to anti-choice extremists, which is from the moment of fertilization, a fertilized egg is a person. So that's where they get, you know, the charges for murder and, you know, issues with hormonal birth control and plan B and emergency contraception. It all stems from that one basic point. And, you know, the difference with those of us who are pro-choice is to me, that is a religious view. If, if you believe that a soul attaches, you know, at the moment of conception or, or a person or what, it's, it's not a legal view, but that's where all this comes from and how it leads to this craziness that abortion is homicide and that IVF would be illegal because you would have these fertilized embryos just sitting out there, might be destroyed. That that's kind of where it where it all comes from is is the point of personhood. And they're very smart about it. Totally. Um, and uh, so wild ahead. to me to even think that that could be, I don't know, even relevant because there's a little thing called like separation of church and state, but apparently we've we've forgotten that in this day and age, which is really quite concerning and wild. But in terms of this bill specifically, how did this come to the floor? How has this come to fruition specifically in Louisiana? Yeah, so the the lawmaker who pushed it is from actually he's from a little corner of the state, right where Louisiana meets Texas and Arkansas. It's extremely conservative and much different than the rest of Louisiana and very different from New Orleans. And he is extremely religious and is conservative to a degree that it's more of a anti-government intrusion generally, which is very interesting considering his mm-hmm. religious views that lead to the ultimate intrusion. But he, you know, he has a following online. He was very anti-vax. Um, and by the way, he is a nice man in person for what that's worth. That's how he, it goes, unfortunately. He is. And not all of my colleagues are. Yeah, but he he's very religious in a lot of ways and very strident on the issue. And he was working with these pastors and leaders. It's something I've only come to recognize in the last few years. They call themselves abolitionists and they talk about Mm. equal protection for embryos or or fertilized eggs. And they're pretty gruesome in a lot of the stuff they show and say. And, you know, they're very much against rape and incest exceptions or, or any sort of exception whatsoever. And so... Apparently, he worked with them on this legislation. And honestly, the timing of the hearing was totally by accident. That's funny. Um, yeah, I think the the leadership and the chair of the committee had been trying to push it off as long as possible. 
and it happened to be scheduled right after the draft opinion was released. It's just completely fortuitous. Really? So it was just kind of like ironic that it happened like that. Like it wasn't like, oh, this, totally. is, this leak happened. Yeah. Now we can go move forward with yeah. this bill. Yeah, they were, you know, like I said, like the chair and leadership was trying to push it back as far as possible, I guess, to, you know, maybe you would change his mind or maybe it would get too late in the process. Because the later you present a bill in committee, the less likely it's fun to be able to go through the house and go through the Senate. And it just, he got really kind of lucky with the timing. And oh my gosh, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, kind of pulling it back and getting into the specifics of what's really in this bill, can you give us the breakdown here of what it all includes? Yeah. So the bill in its original form, like I said, defines a mule person as from the moment of fertilization. That's actually a little different and a little more extreme even than some of the extremists who say at implantation. As y'all know, being women, an egg is fertilized in your fallopian tube and it stays there for a few days and then it goes down to your uterus and then you know depending maybe 72 hours or so later it implants on your uterine wall and so the importance of that and you know a lot of women actually don't understand all the details but that's how an ectopic pregnancy happens in your fallopian tube where you have a fertilized egg that will kill you if it's not removed also emergency contraceptive and actually even a lot of hormonal contraception prevent a fertilized egg from implanting in your wall. So while it might be fertilized, it um, gets it out of you. And to them, that even is a step too far that they start earlier. Yes. And so it defines, it defines, you know, a person from the moment of fertilization. So, so going from there, everything is illegal. And it specifically provides that that is a crime of homicide for both the woman who is pregnant and her doctor. And, you know, most anti-abortion laws steer clear of criminalizing the mother because they know how unpopular that is and how bad it looks. And this just went for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, that's kind of the crux of it. There are some other bizarre things like says that the state of Louisiana does not have to listen to federal law on this issue. It says if a judge refuses to, enforce it they could be impeached it's 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 out there and it was so, well thought out so like if you've taken plan b like they would consider you a murderer a potential murderer because you know plan b is what within 72 hours you're supposed to take it and yeah. it's possible that that it was fertilized in those yeah. 72 hours and so yeah they, it would be outlawed because it's possible that you would be destroying a fertilized egg well, oh. Maddie and I will be in jail, so <laughs> <laughs> we better be roommates. <laughs> birth control. You don't even know how many times your hormonal birth control, you know, didn't allow implantation or fertilizing and you just had a regular period. Like, like totally. it happens without you knowing. Yeah, 100%. A thousand percent. It's just mm-hmm. is the whole thing to me is just so crazy. I know it's like a classic talking point that's really been out there the last few weeks, but is especially just the fact of like, oh, like you're defining personhood at that particular stage, but then you're not providing any, you know, help to the mother financially. There's no, you know, child support doesn't start. So it the whole thing to me is just really bonkers and bizarre. But we do want to talk about sort of the general temperature of the room there. What was that like? What's what are the other policymakers in the room? saying feeling about this particular bill and others that will probably come to fruition as a result of this kind of starting the trend if you will unfortunately 
Yeah, so Democrats in the legislature who are, are outnumbered are generally some level of pro-choice. There's There are a few, um, especially for rural areas, who identify publicly as pro-life, but even them all support different levels of exceptions, let's put it that way, and yeah. personally different levels. Uh, Republicans are all aligned to some degree of pro-life, and it's political for them. So for most of them. Some are, are very religious, like I said, and true believers, but many of them is because it's political and, you know, the state is conservative and there's a lot of money thrown around their elections. But even the majority of Republicans were horrified by this because, wow, it's scary. It's horrible. They were hearing from all kinds of their constituents. And, you know, it's, it's just embarrassing, I think, yeah. to a lot of them. But they needed to save face. And so they were trying to do everything they can to prevent a vote on this bill, even though they could have filled it in committee and they didn't. And so what they ended up doing was substituted, like they had an amendment that substituted all the tax for this, to me, almost as horrible bill coming from a senator that's probably going to pass this year, which while it doesn't throw the woman in jail, it uh, still throws the doctor in jail. It still provides no exceptions for rape or incest. It still defines an unborn person I forget the language it uses, but like pretty early in the process, so opens up IVF and birth control as well. But they, you know, thought that was less bad because it doesn't throw women in jail. And so they all voted for that to save face is what happened. Wow. So progressive of them. <laughs> so um, cowardly of them. Right. Absolutely insane. It's total control. You have, you have no control of your body. You have no control of your future. You, I mean... Ruth Bader Ginsburg said this much more eloquent, eloquently yeah. than be, but I think that's what it is. And it's religious based. It's theocracy based. It's, you know, patriarchal religion. It's, it's a control measure and it always has been. I mean, you look at during slavery, I mean, how, you know, enslaved black women were used to breed and own and owned by people and, and their children were owned and that was control over the reproduction in, in a different manner. So yeah. that's my views on it. Yeah. How are you holding up working these it's past? Hard. Yeah. I am existentially exhausted. Yeah. Physically, <laughs> emotionally, all of that. I just like burst into tears at times. Yeah. And yeah, for every woman out there who's ever been told don't see them cry, I ignore that. Cry when you need to. Let it out. It lets it out. Totally. It humanizes you. And like, that's a normal response to this yeah. kind of trauma. Absolutely. Um, it's really hard. I mean, I work a lot. I have a ton of people supporting me, so good. that's good. But you don't realize, I don't really realize until I get home on Friday to New Orleans, like how tough it's been. Yeah, I can't even I appreciate, imagine. I appreciate the question. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that takes the whole toxic workplace, you know, debate to a whole nother level. Yeah, 100%. It, it is. It's really hard. It's It's hard to get anything done there if you're a Democrat or especially if you're from New Orleans, but you know, someone's got to do it. I think we talked about this a little bit last time you came on, but how many like kind of pro-choice reps are there with you? Very few. We have around like 30, about 30 Republicans, uh, Democrats and independents. I forget. There's probably about maybe 10 of us, maybe 12 who will say publicly yes, I'm pro-choice to varying degrees. Wow. There's maybe only five or six six or seven who will say that unprompted there yeah. are others who if you ask them or how they vote they'll vote that way 
And then there's another like 10 or 15 who are reasonable and insert on certain bills, depending on what they do, you can talk to them. And that's actually a pretty normal response. Like people have their own views and districts and, and religious views, but it's not many. Yeah, and even yeah. on some um, sort of abortion related measures that to me were more legal or esoteric and not specifically about abortion, we, we were able to get votes in like the 20s out of 105. So not much. Okay, so and where where are we? We haven't really fully touched on like where we're at with this bill right now. And there's been some updates. What is it looking like? What's the future of it looking like? So yesterday, the author brought it in its original terrible version to the House floor. And almost immediately, another legislator who had voted for it in committee put or made a motion to put the amendment on. And the amendment essentially strips all the old bill, puts the new bill, like I said, that is to me, like almost as bad. And the new bill, sorry, the new language, which is a current bill filed by a black female Democrat, which complicates everything in my state. And so yeah. all, all Republicans, except for the author and one of his best buddies voted for the substitute amendment. So the author of the bill did not like that it was watered down and essentially hijacked. And I guess he saw the writing on the wall. So he agreed to, I can't remember if he agreed to table it or return it to the calendar, which is essentially just pushing it off for now. And the thing is, though, it can be brought up and vote and amended at any time, but it would need 70 votes, not 53, a little bit higher threshold. And, you know, leadership has tried to say, oh, it's never going to happen. He's never going to get the bills. But I am not convinced. Um, sorry, never will get the votes. I'm not convinced of that at all. Like, I think yeah. it's going to be hanging over our head until June 6th when we adjourn. I could not agree more, unfortunately, especially with the way things seem yes. to be headed. Yes. And a question that I definitely have is, do you feel like, especially since this leak, that the intensity and the extremism around this issue has escalated? Yes. They smell blood in the water. I mean, they have right. for a while, like, and even people like me who are pretty well involved in repro issues for probably for a year or two, I've, I've, when asked if I thought Roe would be overturned, I would say yes. They smell it, they see it, they've been working on this so long, they're almost there. And then all these so-called moderates and people who are like, I don't get involved in politics or whatever, are suddenly freaking out because they were hiding behind Roe while also electing so many monsters and allowing the Supreme Court to get hijacked. And now they're like, oh shit, what did we do? And it's yeah. too late. Where are we at? What's the temperature of constituents across the state? Is this something that, mm-hmm. you know, the constituents want, do you think? It, like, where where is everyone, or for the most part, what you know? I mean, I'm really privileged to represent a district in New Orleans where I can, I'm free to be me in there almost 100 percent in support but you know that's new orleans and that's very different and i'm really lucky we've been all getting emails from around the state there's a vocal very small minority that supports hb 813 and everything it stands for and abortion is murder but it's really like there's i think it's about 25 percent of the state because there's been a couple of polls in the last few years that show that there's only about 24 to 27% of the state who think abortion should be illegal in all circumstances. Because when you start asking about rape and incest and like the mother and that sort of thing, people start dropping off like flies. Like, right. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. So I think across the state, 
most people, if you really explain that to them, they're not a fan of this, but they, you know, vote for these people and these policies and outwardly support it. Do you think it's like this extreme of a bill is something that might wake up some voters in Louisiana to be like, okay, I'm not for this. We're not throwing women in jail over, you know, birth control, Mm -hmm. emergency contraception, abortion. Like this is where I draw the line and it's an election year. Do you think there'll be any type of movement around and just mobilization around like, no, this is too far? I mean, that's where they draw the line now, but that might change. Yeah. I mean, they've drawn the line many places and they've all jumped over it. It it has been interesting to see how all, you know, IVF touches everyone, black, white, rich, poor, especially wealthier, though, people who might identify, a lot of people I know who identify as Republican for sure, because it's yeah. science, technology, and uh, they're calling themselves IVF fertility warriors, and they have come out strong because the clinics they go to alerted them. And of course the clinics want to keep making money, but you know, I think they do agree with the principle and these people come out swinging. And I think that got the attention of a lot of legislators, many of whom have children by IUI and IVF. I know because they told me. So that's caused a lot of attention, but I'm just afraid that those people, once the worst of the worst is passed, they'll just go back to the way they were. Totally. Because it's like, very easily that they could drop that an element or that wording from the bill and then go on their merry way mm-hmm. and everything else is still in play. Yeah, yeah, but and it, it doesn't it doesn't affect them. So whatever. Totally. Which maybe this seems like a silly question, but gotta be curious. Do you think there would ever be any room for sort of the reverse type of legislation, like maybe legislation on I don't know men's bodies? Look, here's to maybe I don't even want to hope for that because I don't want that either. But what what do you I feel do. like is the oh yeah maddie's like know. excuse me sign me up vasectomy. Vasectomy. <laughs> the amount of times i've said vasectomy in the, like literally the last week has been i mean too too many to count let's just put it that way i mean look like if we're gonna keep taking this further and further back then you know you start looking at like biblical you know stories of well why are you having sex but for it to connect the baby you know connect and like have a baby you're just you know wasting god's whatever i've seen some of that in other states but like it's just not gonna happen men are in charge i mean my legislature is not 21 women now it has 23 now i think we're 22 which is low ridiculous but you know men are just in charge everywhere and i also don't see it happening because women are crazy (laughs) generally and why would i want to do that that's kind of nuts but you know it's fun to talk about and and I think it makes some men kind of faint but they also it doesn't apply to them so they just right you know wave it away yeah what are some just ways to I guess combat some of this specifically in your state like we said it's an election year do you have any suggestions or even you know kind of cries for help of like things that you want people to be aware of of ways they can take action and help out with this this issue and specifically this heinous Um, heinous bill i think it's important for not just when people are so for on the republican side not just republicans they're voting for but once they know elected and in office and whatnot to push them that look like y'all have like taken this to an extreme and like you need to push back on on some of this nonsense and then for democrats you know it's not enough as we've seen nationally too it's not enough to vote a certain way 
you have to act a certain way. You have to say things. You have to educate people. Most of my job I consider in the legislature is introducing issues that they don't know anything about and at least educating them. And maybe five years from now, something will happen to give these people, you know, a voice, especially in like LGBT issues. And, you know, don't just vote for someone who's going to be silent and just vote a certain way. That doesn't help us when you're in the minority. You need people who are going to be active and vocal and engaged. And, you know, that's that's part of what we can do as Democrats as well. Totally. And speaking of vocal, you are one of those people and you are also running for state Senate looking, you know, take on another seat. Can you tell us about your campaign and what inspired this particular? Yeah, well, it was sudden because so the legislature, we're all up for re-election next year. We have four-year terms. But the woman, the amazing Karen Carter-Peterson, who she's my senator, my house district is in her Senate district. And she had to resign a few weeks ago. She has some, some personal addiction issues. And so she resigned very suddenly and we weren't expecting it. So that means a special election will be held because there's enough time left in the term. So they announced it for November and... You know, I was mostly planning to run for her seat, but I hadn't officially quite decided. Like, I wanted to see how the rest of this year played out and just, you know, just see what was going on with my life as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I I, I said, I I ran a poll and I'm the front runner, no question. But I still wanted to think about it. And I was going to wait until the end of June or, or after we were in session. And then the road decision dropped. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going on here? And then a few days after that, this reporter in Louisiana wrote an article. So right now there's only five women senators out of 39, the one seat's open. And those five, they're white and black and Democrat Republican, and they are all loudly and proudly anti-choice. And they talk about it. And this reporter wrote an article and said, all of the women in Louisiana said it are like, vehemently anti-choice and i sat down and wrote a press release and announced my my candidacy right there i was like at minimum at the end of this week once (laughs) the state will know there's one person just one who cares and so here we are we yeah so we are gonna ask like what what is the picture of the state senate look like how does it compare and so you're saying you're you would be the only pro-choice i'd be the only female there are again there are a handful of men, all black men, all black male elected senators, probably six or seven who generally vote pro-choice, generally. None of them are particularly vocal about it. A couple will right. talk to you if you ask them about it. They're just not very, and maybe that's because Karen, who who retired, was the vocal one. I don't know. They're not very vocal about it. And recently, a, a strong anti-choice measure past the Senate and only two of them voted no and four or five of them were absent. So while they might vote properly at times, they don't, to my knowledge, say much. So it's really all kind of a no man's land for abortion-reductive issues. Well, it's just like wild and so honorable, the work that you do, that you are just in there in the trenches and, you know, with... (laughs) being the only one like, i can't even imagine truly yeah. so we need way more people like you and it's just like it's pro- it could be so easy for you to be like this is too much i need to quit but you're not and i think that's amazing so i mean props one day i might and my boyfriend and i have started having quitting fantasies of moving to colorado <laughs> 
I know. I'm like, and just like eating gummies and, and enjoying the weather and going yeah. and stuff. I mean, um, this is so hard for like women everywhere, but like yeah. in states like yours, I can't even imagine. And I'm like, come to California. I don't even know what to say at this point. It's just like, yeah, these and like I'm educated and, you know, professional and, you know, I can leave if I want, but other people can't. So I will exactly. say as long as my brain lets me stay. It's a lot on your shoulders, but it's super honorable so just yeah i don't even keep on talking along and we're here to support and speaking of which want to let everyone know where people can find you how to support the campaign what are some of the dates they need to know can you walk us through that as well yes so very 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 unfortunately i cannot raise money while i'm in session which is killing me oh my god i didn't even think about that you're so oh if any angels out there want to start a pack, you're totally free to. Wait, wait. <laughs> Just throwing it out to the universe. I've been throwing it out to the universe lately. Um, but starting, we uh, signy die, which is uh, end session by 6 p.m. on June 6th. So everyone who has signed up at my website, it's mandylandry.com, M-A-N-D-I-E-L-A-N-D-R-Y, and I'm easily findable on all social media and google my social media is boat landry l-a-n-d-r-y and you can sign up not just to help with the campaign but get a notification you can donate but we're starting to collect for volunteers now when i ran i you know i didn't know anyone in politics i wasn't connected and i knocked doors for months and months with so many other people and so we're going to do that again um you know, because I think it's the right way to run and also to just see how people are and see what they're doing and um, see how they are post-COVID because I couldn't see constituents for so long. So yeah. we're going to be doing that and all help is welcome, phone calls, money, all of that. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So everyone, mark your calendars for June 6th. We are pouring <laughs> money into this campaign immediately. Oh yeah. But thank you so much for coming on again and talking about this. I know it can't be easy and we just appreciate you. And if you need anything, let us, let us know. Cause yeah, this great. Is... Send me, send me, I want a pink microphone next time. Oh, we are um, on it. Amazon, yeah. We'll ship you yeah. one. Yeah, I'll be mm-hmm. back um, and update you. But yeah, just email me or, or text or whatever if you want to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, it's quiet for now. The bill is quiet for now, I guess I should say. But, you know, they may not last. Right. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. Thanks. You're welcome. Hang in there. Talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.